15 minutes before 8. You're on Rise FM in 60 minutes. It's a pleasure to have you with us on our program this evening. The Department of Cooperative uh, Governance and Traditional Affairs plays a vital role in ensuring that the municipalities and the House of Traditional Leaders are running well or running smoothly. And uh, this evening I'm joined to speak more on the state of the department is the head of the department, Ubabu Usem Gubani. He's my guest this evening. Babu Gubani, a very warm good evening to you. Uh, good evening and, and good evening to your listeners. Thank you so much, Mr. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is definitely a pleasure. And thank you so much for availing yourself for this very conversation. You know, in 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 your view as the, the head of the department, how would you rate the state of the department? Well, uh, I think the results of the annual reports that we always produced, uh, that have spoken to... Uh, the audit outcomes, which were clean, that is, uh, unqualified, without findings, are a clear indication that we have excellently tried to perform above the expectation uh, because the Auditor General, for the past eight years, mm-hmm. has inspected our books and has, has, has seen that in terms of our policies, our frameworks uh, that are given by the national government, and all the plans that we put in place with the resources allocated, we, we do what we can with whatever uh, uh, kind of capacities that we would have in a particular year. Because mm-hmm. you would imagine that in the past, we have had some challenges with a moratorium being imposed, uh, where it curtailed the number of staff, in fact, the, the positions that were to be filled uh, had to be put on hold. And we had to operate with the skeletal stuff uh, and try by all means that with the challenges that we meet, at least we do uh, meet the requirements and the expectations by delivering on the plans that we would have put in place. So excellent performance, 100%. And I'm not saying this because I'm the head of department. Yeah. People can see for themselves from the other reports that are produced that we have tried all what we could as an institution that should monitor and support municipal, local governments as well as traditional leadership. But however, you know, the same could not be said about various municipalities that form part of the department, particularly on how they have performed in, 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 in just in, the, I suppose, in their financials. You know, how is the department together with Salga assisting them and ensuring that, you know, they mirror, you know, the performance of the department? Absolutely. I think I like the question because I think I still need to clarify first before I respond to it, that unlike the other departments where they would have all these uh, structures directly reporting to them and being controlled by the department, uh, you name education, uh, you name health, you name culture, sports and recreation, public works and so forth. It's slightly different with COCTA because COCTA is in a sphere of government at a provincial level. But then you do have a sphere of government, which is the local and the district municipalities, which, who are standing on their own. The Constitution says they are uh, interdependent. They are kind of like distinct. Uh, if you like, you can summarize it and, 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 and give it a meaning that they are some sort of like autonomous. They stand on their own. However, if you look at the chapter seven which actually deals with local government in its entirety we are also given a responsibility 
in terms of the supervision of local government. Now, that's when we stand in and we come in in terms of Section 154 of the Constitution, where we need to monitor them, support them, but ensure that we provide all the capacity required so that they can run with their own affairs. Now, that's a difficult part because then we can come in and provide the support and, and actually indicate the areas, the gaps that need to be filled, but it is still upon themselves with the rights given to the Constitution to accept what we have given to them as a guideline and then implement as provided for in, in the Constitution as well as in the legislation of local government. Mm. So I know that at times people would think that, well, local government are directly a responsibility of COCTA, which is fair enough that the general understanding, I would not argue about that, but it just doesn't mean that COCTA as a department has full authority over the municipalities. They are a sphere on their own. Mm. They have a council with its, with its authority and legislation. We can step in when we see that they can't fulfill their mandate, and that's why you would see uh, news about the 139 intervention taking over what people call the uh, putting the municipality under administration. Mm. So, so we, we still have the Chapter 3 of the Constitution which deals with cooperative government, and that's what we are, to mm. say we are not stepping into your uh, jurisdiction or we are not figuring with the rights and the functions that are given to you, but we are opening up a platform where we can engage, we can interact, we can find one another on a space where we are guiding, we are monitoring, supporting you, and where there are certain issues that have gone beyond the fulfillment of this obligation, then we can step in, assume or resume the obligation and run the municipality mm. ourselves. Pumalang, in case just joined to the conversation, I'm chatting to the head of the Department of Cooperative Governance and as well as Traditional Affairs, Ubabusem Gubane, is my guest this evening. Babu Gubane, I'm aware that the department had advertised post for municipal managers to, to be appointed in various municipalities of our province. However, there is a shortlisted candidate in the Dr. J.S. Morocco municipality who is alleged to have been implicated in the um, illegal investment of public funds in, as opposed to the VBS Mutual Bank. Upon maybe, you know, having interviews, doesn't then the department vet and clear shortlisted candidates? Well, maybe that's actually over um, uh, just on that matter. Let's, let's just also clarify the part that the department just doesn't advertise these posts directly. They are an exclusive territory of the municipality itself. So the municipality would advertise, however, they would then invite all the other stakeholders, such as Cocta, ourselves, we would send a representative, such as Salga, you know, the district municipality, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So those are processes that run through their own race in terms of picking up the criteria that they would have used and whether or not the interviews go the way that, you know, justifies the requirements and all the other competencies that are required. Now, it will still go through to the council before it comes to the department. There are so many stages that a recruitment process in a municipality goes through, and these have their own checks and balances. I can say that it is still early days because we do not have a final report in this regard. Obviously, we look into all these matters, 
and we can actually indicate to, to you that all processes in that regard shall be followed through. Mm-hmm. Maybe on that point, Babungubani, what is then the latest in the unlawful suspension of the municipal manager of Mukondo municipality? Because if I recall, the mayor said he was not going to oblige and uh, he was prepared to meet the department in court. Yes, indeed. We have that matter subjudicate care because, well, when we approached the court of law, they just didn't think that it was urgent. We should just go through a normal process of going to court. This matter is still on, and we are going to test with the court of law if indeed the municipality is justified just to run the processes the way they have run. We have tried to advise, but they were steadfast in thinking that, you know, uh, they had actually followed the right process, which we disagree with. So we still have that matter in the court of law, uh, and I think that once we have finalized it, we will actually come back and report on it. Six minutes before eight, you're on Rise of Firm in 60 minutes. My guest this evening is the head of the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Ubabuse Mgubani. He's my guest this evening. You're more than welcome to slide into our WhatsApp line, 72 and also get to pick his mind. Babgubane, the public services, uh, I suppose the public service and administration department was anticipating a report from the department as of the 31st of January, and they say that they've not received it where in the province the, the um, FF Plus have raised issues of lifestyle audit. However, the MEC did not give somewhat of a clear roadmap of how you know, such a task would be uh, conducted. You know, as of the 1st of April, that is this coming Friday, it will be compulsory for lifestyle audit. Is it within the, prerog- uh, I suppose the prerogative of the department to conduct uh, you know, lifestyle audits? And if so, how will the department be carrying it out? Well, of course, uh, the framework is out, and indeed you are correct that from the 1st of February, we will be running with the processes. It is just not cocked up at all departments and coordinated through the office of the premium. Um, we, we, we must indicate for the fact that it is a good and a noble idea uh, that we test with everyone that works in the public service be they at a local government level, be they at the provincial level, just to, to cap on corrupt activities or some alarming accumulation of wealth which are not justified. So at first, the MEC could not have spoken in detail about the framework that was still uh, to be put in place and also given the life, as you are saying, uh, that shall start from the 1st of April. Mm-hmm. So we are quite uh, determined that we shall comply with the law and the regulations that have been given to us by the DPSA so that we help the country, uh, you know, kind of like uh, determine how, as public servants, we accumulate such alarming wealth and given the space as well to explain where do we get such wealth and, and how how does it come about that just after we occupy this position, we then have sudden, mm-hmm. you know, sudden wealth in this regard? Mm-hmm. So yes, we would not shun away from that. The department is just part of the family in government that shall ensure that these are indeed implemented. Mm-hmm. The MEC briefed the NCOP last November, say, uh, I suppose, saying that the Section 106 investigation into Emalasheni Nkomazi were completed. But however, the municipalities, when we have reached out to them, they said they have not received any formal report from the department 
uh, I suppose, for consideration and even for the recommendations to be implemented. I'm asking this because a report has been now, I suppose, um, you know, leaked into the social discourse, circulating that flag names of, uh, you know, wrong, I suppose, wrongdoing, yet confirmation of its validity, it's unknown. Why has that been the case? Well, I'm glad that you're talking about the leakages, and those leaks are a subject of a, an investigation right now. There are law enforcement agencies uh, that are dealing with the matter. Uh, but as for the report being tabled, uh, they are correct because we do follow the process. We cannot have an embassy tabling the report without first tabling it with EXCO because the Executive Council is the one that sanctions takes decisions. And therefore, we have to report back on how we have fared with that kind of investigation before we can be given a go-ahead to table it with the municipal council. So these are processes that are unfolding. Mm. Uh, you, must, you must also take note of the fact that this report was finalized around November 2021, just at the time when the elections were still you know, rolling out. You remember that? Uh, we had elections on the 1st of November. By the 23rd of November, that was just the date when the councils were sitting. And really, you know, mm. you could say that that's when new councils were established. Mm. But then it, 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 it just could not make any sense that immediately as they sit and they're still appointing executive mayors, all office bearers, and then we slap, one, we slap them with a report which has not run its due course in terms of reaching executive council of the province first before it can be sanctioned to be tabled to the municipal council. Mm. But I can just, I can, I can, I can indicate that this is on course. Uh, once the executive council has seen the report, uh, we will be given the directive as to how this will be treated. As for the circulation in the public domain, it is illegal. Uh, those that have caused for it to be leaked Obviously, they're being pursued by the law enforcement mm. uh, to explain how they got hold of such a report. Yeah, you know, on that front, I mean, I mean, like you clearly put that you know the one of Emalasin was you know completed on you know on the twelfth of November. Yet the Inkomazi one was completed on the first of October, and and you know you then you know want to you know somewhat bring to book those. Who, who have leaked it, particularly from the department side, because I understand that it is the department who has it first before everyone else. Well, we dealing with speculations, and it would be difficult because what the department does sources out uh, this work so it is neutral and independent with the people externally that assist through the service provision. These are experts that deal with that. I can not conclusively say it was leaked from the department. Neither would I say the service provider that was dealing with it leaked the report. Mm. That's a subject to this kind of investigation. So I can't rule out nor speak to the detail of this matter because uh, with the lingo at legal uh, perspective, mm. I would say it is still subject to care. <laughs> and we should take care of these yes. matters so that I just could not give lead to those who are the culprit mm. uh, that should still be pursued through the arm of the law. The HOD of the Department of Cocta is my guest this evening, Ubabunguban. Ubabunguban, according to the policy and budget speech of the department for the 21, uh, I suppose 2021-2022 uh, 
um, you know, budget allocation, you know, there's an allocation of over 19 million that was set out for the House of Traditional Leaders. In my knowledge, um, I suppose you would correct me if I'm wrong, that's an oversight body of the traditional institution of management. Why is their budget very low? And, you know, executives there having to carry, you know, their work without adequate staffing? Well, we now getting into the economic aspects, not only of the department, not only of the province, but of the country. And we know for the fact that the economic meltdown would not have put us in an advantage position where we get huge budgets for the huge demands that we have. Yes, there are priorities. There are still very, very huge needs that we're still addressing. But, you know, we're coming from the year where COVID was prioritized, you know, health issues, education and the like. We understand that there are so many other pressures at traditional uh, leadership level, which we're still battling and dealing with. And you would understand that there was also an allocation that would have meant that we 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 support in memo. These are cultural and heritage events that they host. But these had to be, you know, uh, revised and and, and and, 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 and sent back to the provincial treasury because this was no longer a problem. With the regulations that were put in place, of course, this had to be reprioritized and it was taken away so that we at least fund the campaigns, the programs that were associated with COVID-19 and the like. Mm. So yes, it would not have made sense or business sense that you lump them with a huge amount of the budget yet the activities that are related largely with the traditional councils, you know, like Ingoma, like, like in Memo and the like, all of these were put to a stop, to, to a hold. They were halted because the COVID regulations just could not allow that this can be continued. Mm. Maybe just on that part of just the ceremonies there, I mean, the initiation, uh, in, uh, some of the ceremonies are just underway, and it is definitely that season of the year where we see, you know, initiation. But, you know, what is then the role of the department, particularly in ensuring that some of the regulations that are still at play of, you know, the state of the disaster, uh, disaster are adhered to in, in, in relation to COVID-19? And, you know, is there even somewhat of an initiative from, you know, the department to completely eradicate these fraudulent schools that have since emerged in that, uh, you know, front? I'm also happy that you asked that question because we've got an Ingoma Act in the province that was instituted or put in place in 2011, and that's the act that just shows and tells you the processes that should be followed when you are Ukipa Ingoma. And these... uh, uh, initiation schools must comply with those requirements and uh, the aspects uh, and conditions that are set out in the Act. Mm. Actually, before that happens, you know, Ingozi must sanction it after they have applied, it must agree, and then they must also ensure that there is adherence to the mitigating plans. Uh, these are plans that are, uh, if, if, if you want to call it in another way, it's a risk abatement plan. Mm. Uh, which, you know, in line with the COVID regulations, we would want to ensure that these are always complied with because we are avoiding what would have happened, uh, just as you know, in the past years, uh, where young youths would actually succumb uh, in fatalities because of some non-compliance with the issue. Mm.
but uh, the embassy should first approve uh, uh, through that act uh, that you know the Ingoma can then be sanctioned uh, and, and, and they can proceed uh, as per the application. That's one part of the element. But we are happy to also indicate that there is a customary initiation act that was recently passed uh, by Parliament and consented to by the President in 2021. And in terms of that act, there is going to be strict monitoring of the activities out there through Ingoma. And therefore, there is a structure at the national level, which is the NICC, National Initiation Coordinating Committee. And at the provincial level, we've already established a provincial initiation coordinating committee. Uh, just two or three weeks ago, they have just appointed uh, the executive of the PICC, uh, where uh, there'll be a chairperson, deputy chair, and the members of that committee. It's already proclaimed in the government gazette by the premier, and they've already started. You know, looking at the issues, just like you are mentioning, if they are, you know, bogus schools of initiation and where there are instances, you know, that the non-compliance is an issue, uh, they are dealing with that and we will be advised. Of course, working closely with the SAPS and all the other law enforcement agencies where we find that there is a transgression of the act and there is non-compliance, we will then accordingly being advised by the structure. Mm. Uh, thank you so much for having us your time. But, you know, maybe briefly before I let you go, the 610 million spent by the provincial government in procuring the PE, uh, I suppose PPE, I understand that COCTA was then placed under investigation. However, the department came out to say that they've only spent, uh, you know, um, 6 million of their own fund. But now the question is, why would then the premier place the department under investigation and has the outcome of that report or investigation, you know, um, you know, been made public or is there even an outcome in that front? Well, it was a good decision by the Premier that all departments that would have deviated one way or the other from the, the you know, the framework uh, of, 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 of the prizes that were set at national level could be tested whether they... Uh, have gone right or wrong. And this may just come through either the allegations uh, or either untested truths that would have been raised with the Premier. Of course, we couldn't blame her to say, let us put everyone under scrutiny and let's check whether indeed there is truth in the matter or not. Uh, And as you know now, uh, the report is all out there. The majors have been uh, one instance of a person who was construed to have sat in the BAC uh, of the department, but we know by now that it wasn't uh, the, the fact of the matter. Mm. Uh, so, so, yes, such things do happen, and we can't blame the Premier uh, for actually stating clearly uh, that all allegations shall be tested, whether we know that it is the truth or not the truth, but where there is such an indication that something needs to be scrutinized, of course, uh, there is no reason why she shouldn't do so. Mm. Guban, thank you so much for having afforded us your time, and we really appreciate you setting this precedence for a lot of other, you know, um, HODs in the province of Pumalanga. We want to thank you, uh, and uh, unreservedly, we really appreciate this time. Thank you very much, and thanks to your listeners, and we are always 
going to be a part of the community of Rise FM if we are invited to come and explain ourselves. Thank Re- you so much. Really have appreciated talking to the HOD there of the Cooperative uh, Governance and Traditional Affairs in the province of Pumalanga, uh, HOD uh, Sam Gubani, talking to us here on Rise FM in 60 Minutes about the state, the department. You're more than welcome to weigh in Pumalanga of the outcomes of that conversation on 072-885-7702.